Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR Radio Fitzroy, Victoria, on the lands of the Wurundjeri, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters, we bring you environment and social justice stories. I'm Kerry Lee Harding. Hello and welcome to Earth Matters. This week we continue to celebrate International Day of People with a Disability as we bring you part two of a timely yarn on disability and climate change. Today on the program, Disability Rap from Fruitsill, a disability activist group based in Nevada, US of A, and a discussion talking on the intersection of disability, climate change and natural disaster. Coming up for you now, the Disability Rap host is joined by program guest Brian Schneider, a local community member from Nevada County and a local citizen concerned with climate change, and Alex Guinness, a policy and research specialist with the World Institute of Disability. Thank you for tuning in to Disability Wrap. Today, we're going to be talking um, on today's show, we're going to be talking about the intersection of disability, climate change, and natural disasters. With the recent hurricanes devastating southern states, Puerto Rico, and the Caribbean, the effects of climate change have been hitting closer and closer to home. Here in our area, fires are a huge risk, and so is flooding, as we saw with the Oroville Dam uh, earlier this year. So what happens to people with disabilities and older adults during evacuations and natural disasters? Where do they go? Are emergency shelters wheelchair accessible and equipped to house people with disabilities and meet their needs? How do people who won't drive or who rely on the public transportation evacuation during emergencies evacuate? And what happens to people who rely on personal care attendants if their attendants can't go with them? There have been disturbing reports of people with disabilities and older adults not being able to leave evacuated areas and being told to shelter in place, both here in California and in the areas hit by the hurricanes. Other reports suggest that people with disabilities are being forced to go to special shelters and are being separated from family members, loved ones, and support systems. So I'd like to begin uh, by listening to a headline from Democracy Now!, on September 15th. Let's see if we can get that to work. This is very tragic. It's very sad. Many of us have loved ones in assisted living facilities, and we expect that care to be there uh, for those people. We immediately started a criminal investigation into this matter and made sure that everyone was evacuated, and we took control of the entire building uh, immediately thereafter. A tragedy in Florida. Eight elderly residents are found dead after they languished without air conditioning and sweltering conditions during Hurricane Irma. They died even though a hospital, a level one trauma center was located across the street. So that again was a headline from Democracy Now! on September 15th. The the first voice you heard was Thomas Sanchez, police chief of Hollywood, Florida, talking about the tragedy at Hollywood Hills Rehabilitation Center when nine residents died in sweltering temperatures after electricity and air conditioning shut off during Hurricane Irma. Their nursing home is now under investigation. We're joined by Brian Snyder, a Nevada city native and citizen concerned with climate change, emergency 
preparedness and disability. We've had Brian on the show before. It's been been quite a few years um, talking about disability, his disability, Usher syndrome. He recently wrote a piece for Fresno Alliance entitled Disabled by Consumer Culture and Dignified Paths to Our Fullest Potential. In it, he connects capitalism, climate change, and disability. He's also a member of the Nevada County Green Party and is part of forming the Green Party's Disability Caucus. So I'd like to welcome you, uh, Brian, to the show. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here on Disability Wrap. Wonderful. And on the line from the Ed Roberts campus in Berkeley, we're joined by Alex Guinness. Alex is a policy and research specialist at the World Institute on Disability. There are people who deny climate change or deny at least the cause of climate change. But often we can find a common ground ground that the climate changes, right? So if you look through history, regardless of the cause, (laughs) you know, that we can expect weather to be different, the climate to change, and this is part of what we know about the world, um, then you have a foundation to start from. Uh, Where it gets controversial is, you know, some people don't agree on why it is changing, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes finding that common ground uh, foundation. Um, So we're we're talking with, um, I'm going to bring you, Brian, officially into the conversation here. All right, I'm here. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> um, so let me, um, so Brian Snyder was born and raised in Nevada City. He produced, shot, and directed the documentary film series, The American Unity Project, about former U.S. Army Captain, Iraq veteran, author, and peace leadership director of the Nuclear Age Peace Foundation. Paul K. Chapel and his efforts to wage peace. Brian has written about American empire, food sovereignty, and climate change. In his last article for the Fresno Alliance entitled Disabled by Consumer Culture, Dignified Paths to Our Fullest Potential, he discusses his experience with climate change in relation to his own disability, Usher syndrome, a degenerative disease which causes blindness and deafness. Brian is a member of the Nevada County Green Party and will be a member of the currently forming Green Party of the United States Disability Caucus. So, Brian, welcome. Yes, and I speak for myself. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I'm not a spokesperson for the Green Party and so on. But um, just to uh, give you a little bit of background, I was born here in Nevada City, and um, I grew up here until I was 10 years old, and then I moved away, and then... uh, moved back and forth across the country and then ended up in Los Gatos, California. And I went to high school there. And um, and then I went to um, the California Institute of the Arts, CalArts. And at that, my first year there, um, that is where I learned that I had Usher syndrome. Uh, I actually went to a, an uh, optometrist and uh, to get new glasses. And he said to me, you have something seriously wrong with your vision. You need to go see an ophthalmologist. So I did that. And um, he told me that I would have useful vision into my 50s. So I'm thinking, I'm going to be able to, you know, do a lot of things. I can, you know, keep acting and performing and, uh, you know, and I'll maybe along the way, I'll make adjustments and so on. And so I think, well, I'll be able to drive into my 50s and read and so on. And so as I went along, even through undergraduate school, I realized that things were happening much faster. The de- degeneration was, was uh, definitely progressing faster than the ophthalmologists originally 
had predicted. So uh, I thought, well, maybe I, I, I don't know if I can move around, uh, you know, backstage during shows and in the low light. Maybe I should consider directing because I can see the entire stage. And 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 so uh, I ended up going to UCLA, got my master's degree um, at the UCLA School of uh, Film, Theater, and Television, and. Um, and I did that, and then that year, in 2004, when I graduated, I had, like, a big, I called them, like, a fracture, like, a, a kind of an awakening that uh, my vision was getting worse. And, uh, and uh, I started having photopsia, which is flashing in the eyes. And so I, I quickly was trying to reevaluate re my life, and uh, I ended up selling TV shows for syndication, and then I became a production manager for a uh, video production company and a screenwriter and then um i i at one point in 2007 i made a decision that uh you know what i want to do something for humanity i was going through kind of a spiritual change i started practicing buddhism which i don't practice anymore but uh, i believe it has there's value in it and so um anyway so i i uh a great timing. I decided right before the Great Recession, I'm going to quit my job and <laughs> start a new life. <laughs> and so, um, basically, at that time, uh, around 2008, actually, it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, July of 2008, I was driving and I was about to turn onto a street. And um, right in front of me, as I was turning, a bicyclist went by. And, uh, and I thought, you know, the bicyclist didn't even look at me. He wasn't worried. We, there wasn't really, it wasn't even a, a close call. But it, it just, I thought to myself, you know what? Uh, at 30 years old, I need to stop driving. And so uh, I made the decision to stop driving. And uh, I came back home. Uh, my mother was living in Nevada City at the time. And, and uh, so uh, I started to reevaluate my life and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to devote, devote my life to social justice and peace and uh, through, um, you know, uh, some uh, Buddhist friends, I, I ended up meeting um, who, who I mentioned, uh, Anna mentioned earlier, Captain, former Captain, U.S. Army Captain Paul K. Chappelle. And uh, we became friends and I made a documentary series about him and I was... Um, and uh, it was it was a wonderful experience. And um, then what happened after that is through that I uh, through the Nuclear Age Peace Foundation um, I decided, wow, you know what? I want to I want to really start waging peace. So I ended up going to Vermont, uh, the SIT Graduate Institute, and I studied a master's degree in um, peace building and conflict transformation. And through that I met. Um, a activist author uh, from Mexico, Gustavo Esteva. He's also a, an advisor to the Zapatistas, um, a Mayan indigenous grassroots uh, movement to uh, for uh, autonomy and uh, sovereignty and so on. And um, I, he became my mentor and my friend, and uh, I had a major realization about um, you know how I live as an American citizen and how it affects the uh, the world, especially. Um, South America and uh, Asia and other countries and so on and um, and I I I basically wanted to change my life I wanted to go off the grid and become a farmer and um, I moved back to Nevada City in uh, 2013 and um, 
I was very fortunate that I, I contacted uh, a very compassionate and kind man. His name is Rick Barron. He had, he, I don't think the farm exists anymore, but it was the Sunridge family farm. And he allowed me to work on his farm for almost six months. And I uh, learned it was the most beautiful experience of my entire life. And uh, being connected to the soil, the earth, and other human beings, and uh, having deep profound conversations not you know conversations about you know what's on facebook or things like that but like deep conversations about ex our existence on this earth and how to live in harmony with it and so uh through and what happened in the middle of that is uh my mother and stepfather um decided to um move so uh i decided to go too because there was uh the property that they got was up by Shaver Lake, which is above Fresno um, in the mountains. And um, they allowed me an acre of land to uh, cultivate into a mini farm. And so I started working on there and, um, and it was beautiful. And then in 2015, um, because of the drought, we were at the height of the drought and uh, all of the ponderosa pine trees started dying. And um, I had to stop. I, I had cleared area for the, you know, the farm, and I had terraced the land, and I had put in even uh, set up the irrigation almost for it. And then I just had to basically devote. We, as a family, my mother, father, and I, had to devote devote ourselves to removing hundreds and hundreds of dead trees due to um, well, the root cause is uh, fossil fueled human activities but uh, which caused drought and the trees weren't able to produce enough um, sap to fight off the uh, bark beetle. And I basically became a logger, a blind logger. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other discussion too, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I bas yeah. and so I, I had never ran a chainsaw until uh, tw uh, 2014 and then for 2014, 2015, 2016, uh, I was basically that was my my full time job. I removing trees not only on uh, my family's property, but my uh, neighbors' four other neighbors' properties. And so, um, you know, it was it, it was a real wake up call to for me because I was losing my vision. I mean, I, the last three years I've had it, I I wouldn't say normal, but I felt normal when I was outside amongst the trees and in, in, in that beauty. And then I'm losing my, my vision or my sight. And at the same time, I'm watching all these beautiful ponderosa pine trees. And then the incense tr uh, cedar trees and oak trees started dying due to pathogens. And, um, and uh, it, was, it was very, very um, tragic. And to see, because uh, millions and millions of trees di have died in the central Sierra Nevada. And um, there isn't much conversation about it, um, but it's not just happening there. It's happening all over the United States and all over the world. Um, for instance, there's a, a wonderful documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's by Joss Fox. He did Gasland, Gasland 2. The documentary is called How to Let Go of the World and Love All the Things Climate Can't Change. You're listening to Earth Matters and broadcast on the Community Radio Network with me, Kerry Lee Harding. And today on Earth Matters, we bring you part two of our International Day of People with a Disability broadcast 
and you're listening to audio from Disability Rap, a show produced by Freedsil, a disability activist group based in Nevada, US of A. Today on Earth Matters Disability Rap bring you a timely discussion on the intersection of disability, climate change and natural disaster. And in the documentary, he, he lives in Pennsylvania and he's celebrating a victory over fracking and he realizes uh, that a tree that he had planted as a child, a hemlock tree, was dying and it was... Uh, it was over 30-something years old, and then he did research and found that the hemlock trees all the way from Virginia to Maine were, were dying. Mm. And it, we, it's, I think it's really important uh, to think about this in terms of causality because these feedback loops of we're losing millions and millions and millions of trees uh, which are producing oxygen and also are sequestering oxygen and if we do not have these things, uh, this, this feedback loop is going to be horrible because there's going to be more carbon in the atmosphere and less uh, carbon sequestration in the soil and so on. So it's something to consider. And so um, basically, you know, I had to come back uh, uh, to Nevada City. Uh, we, we basically, as a family, decided to switch our um, plan and move back here. And so um, I, you know, I realized I wanted to, I, for most of my life, I have been a very cynical person politically. I had a George Carlin-esque kind of view of politics, and um, I didn't want to be involved. And I, I was kind of had an all or nothing at all approach, either be off the grid and live, become indigenous again with the land, <laughs> or um, nothing at all. But I, I realized that wasn't realistic, so uh, I wanted to get involved in and everything, politics and everything. So I, uh, I found the Nevada County Green Party, and I found that they had meetings the second Wednesdays of every month at 6.30 at the Rood Center, the government center. And it, it's um, the Green Party in general is doing some amazing things for climate justice, uh, economic justice, um, and, you know, uh, I, I and it's not just talk. It's it's literally grassroots activism in it, you know, and at its best. And I'm proud to be a member. And so, go ahead, Anna. You're going to Brian. Say. Yeah, it, it just it really is impactful to me thinking about your situation and losing your eyesight at the same time that the natural world around you is is. Um is dying, you know, um, and, and the, the impact that must have had on you personally, not just because of, you know, one, you're dealing with the disability piece and adjusting, right? How do you adjust as an individual and then looking to see the world around saying, how is it adjusting and to um, this new um, kind of environment and that we're working with and due to climate change, whether you like it or not, right? So, you know, you know, we, we've talked today about, you know, climate change and impact to flooding and fires and, you know, just storms um, and hurricanes um, and bark beetles, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so really, you know. Th this is happening around us. And, you know, Alex, I think it was really telling, you know, when asked what are kind of the three things um, to look at and how do we move forward was one, recognizing that climate change is an issue, regardless of the cause or what you believe in it. Our climate is changing. Things are being amped up. We're seeing bigger storms than ever um, and more fire. Um, and then 
Alex, uh, pushing for adaptation, you said. How do we adapt as individuals, as a community, as a society around this? But then third, you know, understanding the impact on people with disabilities and really seeing that, you know, there are populations that are going to be impacted greater than other populations. Not to say that we're not all going to feel it. Right. Uh, But there's definitely populations that are going to be be hit harder. And we know this. I mean, we've learned this time and time again and how a lot of the discussion over the last few years, I keep on hearing it, intersectionality. We've talked about it on this show. But again, that comes up in this context. Right. So how do we link these issues to the Green Party doing their piece to advocates for climate change, understanding the social model of disability and how it fits in to what they do. Alex, would you add anything else to this conversation? It's like, how, where do we go from here? We know climate change is an issue and we know it has an intersection and will hit people with disabilities harder than ever. Um, yeah. Well, I, I I think there's a couple of things, and thanks for bringing all of those up. You just uh, sparked something in my mind is the kind of raw back-to-the-earth environmental movement uh, doesn't necessarily fit in with disability and someone with a disability that might have complex medical needs. Mm-hmm. So as we build allyships, we need to find common ground right there when you start talking about the medical model and climate justice for people with disabilities because, uh, you know, when we're talking about intersectionality, one of the things that comes up is uh, this triage mentality of save the person that is the most physically fit first and then uh, go down the line because the people that are the most fit are easiest to save and then eventually way down at the bottom are the people with disabilities that really actually kind of need the most help. Uh, so that's something that we need to address. And then finally, really on, on a bright side, is that there is a lot of climate adaptation work being done, especially here in California. And what, what, what we need to do is become part of the conversation and actually push for not only the understanding of the medical model, but doing this with universal access in mind. That if they are expanding shelters, make sure that Uh, They are physically accessible and then also, say, have some medical supplies on hand, that there is change going on. We just need to be a part of the conversation and make everything accessible as it's already being uh, uh, prepared or as there's already adaptation and preparation. It's what you're saying really rings true. Um, You know, in so many areas of our lives, we're still, it's us and them. Um, There's still lack of understanding that the disability community is part of the community. It's part of all of us. And um, if we live long enough, we will experience disability. Um, And so any planning, anything we do, whether we're doing social justice issues, we're advocating on whatever we're advocating on, um, or we're working on emergency preparedness and shelters and evacuations and repopulation that, you know, you plan for the diversity in our community. You ensure that everyone has equal access because then you plan for the whole community. And disability is just part of the diversity we find in our community of culture, of race, um, of age, of disability that makes um, 
our our community so beautiful. So you have to, you know, I mean, the one advice is regardless of what topic you're working on, if it's climate change, if, you know, it's social justice movement at all, that you are being inclusive. And when you say that you're working towards equality, it is of all um races, nationality, ability levels. Um, and then we create a process that works for everyone. Uh, and it's been the history of the disability community to ha- uh, be, um, you know, thought that we can't take care of ourselves, we can't make our own choices, survival of the fittest. And if you don't fit that, then we're not going to waste our resources on you. Um, so Alex, where can people get more information on this? And the work that uh, you're doing. Well, our uh, our website right now is www.wid.org/ned. Uh, so New Earth Disability. Um, also, uh, wid.org/climate uh, will take people to a page that um, has the New Earth Disability underneath that, and we have writings, a uh, um, a video, um, as well as. Uh, many links and resources to other climate change issues. Uh, so I'd say that would be a good uh, good spot, and then we're going to keep on expanding that website as we go forward. Alex, any last words of wisdom from from you for those listening? Learn more. Always keep fighting. Um, nothing happens without a little bit of pushing uh, for change, and we have the experience, and we can do it. Thank you so much. That's Alec Guinness with the World Institute on Disability. And Brian, um, Brian, any last words on this topic? Or Well, yeah, um, yeah I, I would like to echo um, what Alex said. I, I understand the logistical realities, but at the same time, um, you know, we have, I think we have to question how we got here in terms of causality, in terms of how we live our daily lives. And that is directly related to fossil-fueled human activities. And so it's, it's important. We need to transform uh, how we live, and we need to do it quickly. Um, otherwise, there may not be <laughs> – we might not be around to see what happens. And um, the one thing I would like to say is, is a quote from uh, agrarian author and poet Wendell Berry. In terms of working – Um, for climate justice. He says, and I quote, we don't have a right to ask whether we're going to succeed or not. The only question we have a right to ask is, what is the right thing to do? What does the earth require of us if we wish to continue to live on it? That is a perfect ending to Disability Wrap. Thank you so much, Brian Snyder and Alex Guinness for, for joining us. You've been listening to Earth Matters and broadcast on the Community Radio Network with me, Kerry Lee Harding. And today on the program, you've been listening to a special Earth Matters broadcast as we continue to celebrate International Day of People with a Disability. And today you've heard part two from the Disability Rap Radio Show and a timely discussion on climate change and disability. Produced by Freed Seal, a disability activist group based in Nevada, US of A. To hear this program and others from our Earth Matters team, the various podcasts can be downloaded from our 3CR community radio website at 3crearthmatters.org.au. 
Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria, on the lands of the Wurundjeri and is broadcast across the country on community radio stations thanks to the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Federation for their generous financial support. And if you'd like to get in touch with us mob at Earth Matters, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page, Earth Matters 3CR Radio. You can also follow us on Twitter at EarthMRadio. If you'd like to listen or share this or previous editions of the show, you can find all our podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. Well, that's all for today. Thanks so much for your company this week. And the Earth Matters team will be back again next week with more deadly green social justice news from all over this awesome planet. I'm Kerry Lee Harding, and I'll see you next time.